0: Episode 44 of Storyteller Conclaves, the show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game up to the next level, I am Sarah.
1: I'm Rob. How and yeah, doing? I whistle the intro and sway my head too. It happens.
0: <laughs> I dig that music. Is, I really
1: do. I am glad I found it. I know. Like I'm I'm happy that it got created because I literally stumbled across that. Uh-huh. Like just going through uh musicarchive.org Go visit it sometime. There's yeah. some amazing stuff in there and some crazy stuff in there. There really is. And um, I remember
0: you you shot me like 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 ten different tracks yeah. or something like yeah. that. And I remember like listening to this one. I'm just like, oh yeah. How can we not? Oh god, I want to put this one into my game soundtrack. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. No, it was it was it was a nice find. And some of the other tracks have
1: been really fantastic finds. I mean, we have some that we haven't even used yet. Yeah, that are that we we've been thinking about using that are really introspective and they're fun. Um, so I'm looking forward to to starting to use those for other.
0: Pieces that we have. Some of those ones from one of our one-off episodes too. We yep. just want yep, yep, to come back to. So yep. yeah. So. All right. So this week. Yes. Uh, I know we, we've Scope. kind of strayed around a little bit.
1: We have. We're gonna have to narrow our focus. We're gonna
0: have to narrow our focus a little bit. Sighted in, if you will, with laser precision. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. <laughs> We're not. We're I'm totally not. not. Only Imperial Stormtroopers are this precise, buddy. <laughs> oh, geez. Are they accurate? I think they're accurate. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: uh, today we are talking about scope. And what we're talking about when we define scope is anything that sets a limit. … to the story from the storyteller's perspective. And this could not only just be location, but this could also be like what books you're going to use. Like if you're uh, if you're familiar with Palladium or some – even D&D, there are a plethora of resources out there. And so you might limit it to say, hey, I only want to use the base book and maybe one other resource guide and mm-hmm. that's it. That's all I want to use. I know if, for some of us who had second edition, I think there was like 40 books – you know, you had like complete paladin and complete ranger and oh, like, yeah. you know, you had ridiculous numbers of books that were out there.
0: On that note, mm-hmm. on that note. Yo-yo. Okay. So vocab time, okay. uh, I, I totally like, cause I never use this word for them. Sure. But my, uh, uh, Sean, my boyfriend was, uh, we were talking the other day and he was like, oh yeah. Oh, they, they, they had tons of splats. And I was like, splats. And he's like, yeah, you know, s- uh, supplemental source books, splats. And I'm like. Dude, I haven't heard them called splats in probably twenty years. God,
1: yeah, I, I barely recall the word being used. Right,
0: I don't even know what the origins of it are.
1: Supplements, I remember. Okay, we're gonna ask this. anybody can remember the origins of splats. Please go ahead. I know I'm, I'm expecting Draven or Overwatch to hit me here with what when splats was a thing and who brought it up. Right, right. Um, I usually... oh yeah,
0: using that. Thank you. That was pretty much it. Um, yeah. You used to hear it a lot in reference to, um, like Vampire the Masquerade. Yeah. You yeah. know, they did have one, a clan book for every single clan, yeah, you know, yeah. vampire clan. So you would call those splats. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's, I, I think, where last time I heard it referenced like that. Um, I always remember them as supplemental resource books
1: uh-huh. or supplements. Yeah. Or, supplements or world was guides I, right. was another way that it often was put because, like, you'd get those for Palladium. You'd get the world guides, mm-hmm. you know, whether it was like, you know, uh, you know, Trix Industries world book mm. or source book. You know that was what always the term. So it was always the source book, World Book, the guide. You know, the complete guide yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now we don't get those so much anymore. Um, so much as I mean, there's definitely supplements. We we see mm-hmm. it in fifth edition all the time. You know, you've got the um, what was the one that just came out that had uh, that has all of the uh, artificer stuff in it, the new robotic stuff.
0: Oh, uh, was that Eberron? Now I think Ex- it's part- Explorer's Guide to Eberron or something like that. It might be. So um, I don't know. There's really just remember. too much. I, there's Unearthed Arcana, I know is yeah. is, is doing a lot of yep. but but that's but but the UA is all the playtest stuff.
1: So. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, we're talking about that limitation, books, world, classes, things like that. And different games do it different ways. Some games kinda have inherent scoping already in them, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean you can't narrow it down even further than that yeah. by talking about even like the genre or um I'm gonna say it power sets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, but we'll get into that. we'll get into that um, but you had a really good description of a, a a a world that a storytelling style that is limited and one that is open,
0: and what those two kind of things and I thought it was a really good way of doing it right right so we were we were discussing the whole the whole concept of scope in story, and uh what came to mind immediately was the comparison between uh for those of you uh people who may be nerds out there um. <laughs> Is uh, Star Trek The Next Generation mm-hmm. versus Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I know I'm referencing some pretty old shows there. But I think uh, those of you who who are in the know would, would know what I'm talking about. Yeah. One of them is a – you know, every single episode, they are cruising through space in some backwoods, you know, section of wherever. Yeah. Who knows? They're all over the place. Yeah. Um, And they encounter – Things is they're gallivanting around the universe, and it's random.
1: You you never quite it's know. random. Every, sometimes it's the same race, but sometimes it's a completely different area or timeline or right. You know some, whatever.
0: Sometimes the complication is something that's happening to the crew. Sometimes the complication is some weird alien race you've never seen before. They they get involved in their problems, and then they, you never see them again.
1: Or if you do, it is much later and the reference is
0: light enough that you didn't have to see the previous thing to get the new thing. Exactly. It's all very episodic. Now, compare that to Deep Space Nine. Right. Okay. So – Space station. Yeah. (laughs) Our scope has been narrowed to a space station. Effectively a city, if you will. Exactly. Single space station. Mm -hmm. We've got the same characters every week. Mm -hmm. We've got the same – Alien races getting involved in things all the time. So yeah. The Bajorans, the Cardassians, yeah. a little bit late you know, a few seasons later we got the Dominion coming in. Yeah. But that's it. Like you get to see a lot of them because they're always around because the space station doesn't go anywhere. It's always orbiting Bajor. Yeah. The Cardassians are always right there. Yeah. You know? So that's that's a great example of of limiting your scope down.
1: Yes, Sam. Yes, th- yes, the Kardashians. The Kardashians. Yes. They're always there. Why to, won't they leave us alone? So if you're if you're not so familiar with that, let's talk about it on a different level. Sure. Something like Stranger Things. Sure. It is. There's a lot of scope that goes on in that story as far as what they do, but it's all happening in one area, one little town in with, Indiana, with very simple people involved. Mm-hmm. Like your NPC list is pretty minor. Yeah, and every you know all your other stuff. I mean, it's a really short list of stuff. Whereas on the other hand, you have Game of Thrones, where every week, sometimes every five minutes, you're in a different part of the world, talking to different people about different different
0: continents, yeah, which
1: constantly are getting randomly things thrown at them, sometimes that don't even follow the book stories. Mm -hmm. You know, so the lore is just massive and grows every single minute of every single episode. Yeah, and unless you're quote unquote in the know. And a super nerd about it, like you can get lost. you can't just jump into an episode and enjoy it right you 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 had to be there from season beginning mm-hmm. to be able to get any parts of that and again, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's a different layer of scope. Uh, another one you gave was Thor Ragnarok versus endgame, yeah. It's one storyline. It's scoped out to just Thor.
0: Yep, it's just Thor. It's just Asgard. Mm -hmm. You know, well, there's some other stuff going on in Ragnarok. Maybe that's a bad example, but we're talking about one superhero on one planet doing one thing, following one storyline, but following it in depth. Yeah, and everything is super important. But it's a small cast telling one very deep story versus Endgame, which is like a lot of characters. Well, and it's not only that. Things
1: you can tell in Thor Ragnarok. They said we're keeping these people together. Mm Like the story is going to go from beginning to end together. It was almost a theme right. of 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 packaging it. Correct. Know? And the only time we ever really got to see the other stuff was when we were watching the antagonist. When we got scenes from the antagonist of what was going on on the other side of the coin, you know. And honestly, if you just cut out the hell scenes that they weren't in, mm-hmm. you know, but you kept in um the parts where the either the players are directly involved, it it pretty much was a straight D and D small scope. Yeah. I mean, it it. Walked right along the path lines to do that. Whereas with Endgame, you were everywhere. It was – I'm going to say it. Like you had two or three DMs running the same game, which <laughs> apparently can work. It does happen. I've, but they were all over the universe, the multiverse, the timeline. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. That's crazy yeah. to try and keep all that together, but at the same time, it works. And for some people, they love games like
0: that. Sure, sure. and and I, I want to you know, just stop to clarify that there's nothing inherently wrong with one or the other. Mm-hmm. They're just options. You know. Some people like those really grand, you know, gallivanting, globe trotting things. And you can mix and match them in your own sure, campaign too. Totally. You know, you can go from a from a local game to a to a bigger game. Uh the Final Fantasy seven remake that's coming out. Yeah. Um, it's making a lot of big big news in video game circles right Completely. now. And that story actually is a is a is a great example of transitioning your scope. Because the whole, the whole, the whole first—well, I'm gonna say first disc—because I played it back when it originally came out twenty years ago. I did on, as well on the PlayStation One. I did too. But the entire—it was a four-disc set, and yeah. the entire first disc was yep. in Midgard. Yep, one place. That's it. One little city, following that plot line, and then it transitioned to disc two when you finally got out of Midgard and like the world was your oyster.
1: Yeah. And But again, that's – it's a way to set scope and sure. games do it uh, – video games do it very well mm-hmm. um, because you're typically following one hero. You're not
0: bouncing all over the place. Well, that and it cuts down on the coding to have to not make an entire world. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much.
1: Um, so let's talk about some pros and cons before right. we step into ways to do it. Sure. Um Pros. Um, in my personal opinion, less books to use, less resources. Oh yeah. So if you're starting out as a new storyteller, <laughs> scope limit is one of the best things you can do for yourself. Yep. Don't no expansion stuff, no yep.
0: unearthed arcana, just player's handbook. Yep. Deal with it.
1: Yep. Still, you're still in the same world. Mm-hmm. Like everything's still the same. Yep. Um, yeah. Sometimes you'll have balancing issues then because of that. Because mm-hmm. uh, at least in some of the old versions of D and D, the balance was settled in other ways. Yeah. And you'd find that. You'd find like, oh, well, the rangers kind of punked out in the main book. But if you use, you know, the ranger's guide – Uh, It actually – his subclasses in that are Mm -hmm. are better balanced for systems.
0: But at the same time, you would start running into issues. I know – and this was something that happened with like Mm 3-5. I saw a lot of guides online. It was like how to become completely overpowered by level 15. You know, Just take this class and Mm -hmm. then this subclass out of this book and then multi-class with this class out of this book. And you get this ability with chains with this ability with chains with this ability and you can do 3,000 damage in one turn. It's like, okay, maybe limiting the book scope and saying that those aren't allowed. Is the best way of handling that, but I think that also
1: comes to players who are new to the system mm-hmm. could look at like they looked up like, hey, maybe I'll be a ranger, and they look it up online, and they're like, whoa, I need to know like five books and sixteen powers and right. like multiple. They don't have to worry about that. Yeah, you you get one class to focus on. Mm-hmm. That's it. Simple as that. Um, so character creation's faster, honestly.
0: Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Lot less a uh, lot less books on the table um and you know that that's another thing too I know it's it's kind of going by the wayside when you've got digital availability yeah um but you know at least back in the day especially having the books available physically yeah. Like unless you know your like your DM might have all of those things, right? But you'd have to have a session zero, like character creation day, to go over, yeah, and borrow their books because you don't have access. Like you're not gonna spend one hundred and fifty dollars to buy all these books just so you can create a character, you know? Yeah, and I mean, Urban
1: Shadows has uh, in its base book um, classes, but there is expansions to those classes. Mm-hmm. you can have additional ones. Sitting down sometimes and having you know nine jars of peanut butter to choose from. You're not going to be able to make a choice very quick. Yeah. If you only got three, you'll make a decision. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's the best – I think that's one of the best things you can do for new
0: players too mm-hmm. is cut down the choices um, to make it easier. Oh, yeah. So yeah. That's uh, – I mean like getting into video games, that's one of the reasons why I like I don't like procedural open world games. Mm. You know, like No Man's Sky. I'm sure it's a perfectly great game mm-hmm. but I, I, I don't like it because – I ask, what What do I do? Well, anything. Well, what can I do? Anything. Where can I go? Anywhere.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, what am I supposed to be doing? Anything you want. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Give me a goal. <laughs> Super <laughs> sandbox
1: know? is sometimes too much. Yeah. So, all right, throw some cons at me.
0: All right, so – um you start knocking off things that knocking off options on the list. Some of your players might feel like their creativity is being stifled.
1: Oh, yeah, no doubt, especially if they had like a pre – like you started talking about the campaign to mm-hmm. a bunch of friends because a lot of times like I'll do this where I'll be like, hey, I'm thinking about running this DD game or I'm thinking of running this 7C game and I'm kind of going with this kind of angle. And you start getting an idea like, oh, I remember hearing about this class and I want to try and run like this thing, you know, and then I come out and be like, mm, that's not one of the source books that I'm wanting to use. So, yeah, you, you can definitely limit people that way and kind of crush hopes and dreams, if you will, um. in that sense. I think in that same degree, if you're talking about something and the first thing I say is like in the case of seven Sea, I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going to do the whole game in Castillo. Mm-hmm. And you're like, but I want to play in
0: Montaigne. We'll find a reason for your Montaigne to be in Castillo. We'll get to that.
1: But, but you know, yeah. effectively, yeah. I mean that's what it comes down to. Is you're like, oh, crap. They're at war. Like. How am I going to make that
0: work? Yeah. really well. It, you know? it, it might take some wiggling, and it might might create some interesting character opportunities for you. But we'll get to that. I but, think that's coming up. We can talk we'll, more yeah, about we'll, that. We'll yeah, we'll get to that. So, what else? Uh, all right. So, um, might not be as interesting uh, for certain. You know, races, character types, classes, things like that. Um, like I mean, they if, if, if you're if you're limited, you know. I, I think
1: that comes down to what they're thinking of yeah. the world. Like, I, I know that. Think about it this way: If I'm in uh, Elder Scrolls, yeah, and the only place that I'm hanging out is Anvil. If I'm a, uh, if I'm a Northern, I'm a Nord. Mm-hmm. Like. I may not really enjoy it like in my own mind. Like, yeah. I'm limited. Like where am I going to go and, and hunt shit and become an awesome champion? You know? I, mean, I
0: mean certain, certain classes are, are built for certain things too. You yeah. know, again, getting back to the D&D thing, if you're playing like a rogue, mm-hmm. you know, you've know, you got things like finding and removing traps and unlocking things. Well, yeah. if we're spending all of our times in the wilderness, mm-hmm. OK. I mean,
1: Just like, as much as I'm a, I'm a paladin on a horse. I'm a cavalry paladin. Yeah. And we're in a town. Yep. Like when am I going to do mounted combat? Right. Like my literally my character is built around mounted combat so that I can eventually become a flying mounted combat dude. Uh-huh. Well that's great. We're in dungeons. And right. we're under the city. And the whole campaign happens under the city yep. in the underdark. Oh. Well, that's a limit. Oh, well, I can't even bring my horse, you know? Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So
0: Um and uh, just you know, lastly, I think people don't like hearing no. I mean, it's kind of a yeah. big no-no in storytelling. Don't ever say no. Say yes and. Right, but when you set scopes, sometimes you the word need, no is you, in the there. word no is in there. Yeah,
1: yeah. We'll get to when yes can be a problem.
0: Yeah. So yeah.
1: Um. So let's talk about ways to limit scope. Like right. what what are different ways storytellers and 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 people can limit scopes.
0: All right, so uh, a few ideas off the top of our head, we've got spec- limiting things to specific races or professions or geographical origin. I think that's the easiest way to do it because yeah. then
1: you don't necessarily have to limit everything. You could open up the class book if you limit region, you know, yeah. or um, or you can say I'm really wanting people to be these professions mm-hmm. for certain game types. Yeah, um, I think geographic location works well for Urban Shadows yeah in that sense that you you can set the city very small right off the bat mm-hmm. and kind of go with that kind of a feel to it um I think that uh world of darkness vampire gets very globe trotty and having things set in a single city still gives you the availability to really you think oh vampire dude, is very globe trotty I have been in more globe trotty vampire games Wow. I don't I think I've been think in a about. single
0: vampire game that's like left its city and metro area. Oh, dude, so many. Like, so we, many. We traveled to the suburbs, man. We had a globetrotting day today, you know? <laughs> Dar- dark Ages. <laughs> go, go into Dark Ages and oh, run around Europe for okay. like. Two months. That's fair.
1: I always played And I say like two months in game. Yeah. So.
0: I always played masquerade. So. See, there
1: we go. There we go. So.
0: Um, but, you know, keep in mind, too, that, you know, limiting a uh, limiting uh, scope by race mm-hmm. is just as valid for, you know, you, you must be an elf mm-hmm. or just saying no dark elves in my game. Yeah, that's also a scope limit. Yeah, totally. You know, yeah, you're removing something from the table to narrow it down, narrow down your list. And even if it's just removing one race yeah. because it's problematic from a storytelling standpoint, then yeah. or
1: setting world races like you did for Elder Scrolls. You're like, these are the races of the world. Yep. These are who you can play. Mm-hmm. You know, I technically mostly we fit into one of those races easily, but it wasn't like I could be a giant. Crystalline, you know, entity. Right. Well,
0: well. You know? Put for for instance, to use the D D example, mm-hmm. like fear bulgs Yeah, are are in the you know on on the table as far as playable races yeah. and so like that. No, because yeah. there's no fearbulg in. Yeah. in Elder Scrolls. Yeah, you know, and a couple of races I had to tweak over and stuff yeah. like that. But Tiefling and yeah, stuff like that. You came yeah. down to you came down to those nine races, yeah. period. And I think that's perfectly
1: fine. Mm-hmm. Likewise, you can leave those kind of things open and go with organization or bloodline or house or like ship crew and say all of you are part of this. Like you're all musketeers, Mm -hmm. you know, whether you are new, whether you've been in it for a number of years, whether you're getting close to retirement, you're all musketeers.
0: Now, this is the scope that I set in my game too. Mm -hmm. You're all members of the Fighters Guild or the Mages Guild. I don't care what your character concept is. Yep. But you have to belong to the Fighters Guild. Or the Mage's Guild. Period, there you go. and and we ended up with nobles and peasants and all kinds of yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, we it ended up with, with you know f- people from foreign lands, people who were you know domestic to Cyrodiil. I mean, it was a great eclectic. I think we got a great eclectic group out of it. But yeah, they're all mages and mages and fighters. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: And then you threw in this one and it took me a second to really think about what you meant by it and go over it. But go ahead and uh, kick it off.
0: Yeah. Groups um, for, with, with – uh, you're talking about the, d- the disparate pasts? Yeah, because yeah. I had to think about what you meant by that. So uh, groups with disparate pasts but a common goal to right. unite them. Yeah. Okay, And it wasn't until you put
1: down Shadowrun. The job, yeah, it yep. made sense. It was like they're in it for the money. That's literally Shadowrun in yep. a nutshell.
0: Random, uh, or uh, like if anybody's ever seen uh, Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs, mm-hmm. perfect example of yep. this group dynamic, yep. Yep. where you've all just been brought together for some reason. Now this can be because a you know like like Shadowrun, mm-hmm. you don't know each other walking in. Some Johnson hires you, 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 and you. Mm -hmm. This is the first time you've ever met, but your common goal and why you're a party now is because there is a job uniting you. Yep, There's a common bond. Or maybe a common villain. Yeah, a, a a powerful lich has um, wandered across the countryside, laying waste to village after village and ruining lives and killing people mm-hmm. and, and doing all sorts of dastardly deeds. Well, he's going to rack up some enemies along the way. Yeah. So maybe the scope of your campaign is I don't care who you are or what you do or what race you play or even mm-hmm. where you're from because his swath of destruction is that big. Mm-hmm. But your goal is to kill this lich. Yeah. Or, in some way, avenge yourself upon him, yeah, there was one that I was following,
1: which was um uh, that was a caravan that was moving across it was a common caravan, like you all had to be part of this caravan, mm-hmm. you know, whether you were guards, whether you were merchants who were in the caravan, whether you were you know somebody just riding on it to get to the next location, yeah, and you're all caught in a common problem. Mm-hmm. you know, it's the train. You're all you're all passengers on the train, yeah. and now it's the Orient Express, and there's been a murder. Yeah, you know, kind of a thing. and that's a common like, uh, was it who killed Doctor Lucky? Oh, it's no, just
0: just killed Doctor killed Lucky? Doctor Lucky,
1: yeah. Um, and it's those kind of things where you're all in a common place for a common reason, mm-hmm. but not necessarily the same. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and then, like the other other one, we figured out, which was uh, the uh, United ideal, like uh, um, vigilante justice, making like a Justice League kind yeah. of a thing.
0: Yeah, or or uh, the other idea I came up with, I think, was um, you know maybe a, a, like a druid and a ranger, you know, some like outdoorsy minded people who might have yeah. come together to a, to solve some sort of problem that was threatening nature or something like that. You yeah. don't know each other beforehand, but hey, here it is. Yeah, let's all get together. You know. Yeah. I mean you also kind of
1: – in the common goal kind of thing of uh, Princess Mononoke is kind of that same thing where there's clearly something going on and people from very different places come together to try and figure that out. Oh, god. I'm so awful. Ways. I don't
0: think I've ever seen Mononoke all the way through. Really? No, I know. Oh, that's I terrifying. Know. Like I – don't get me wrong. Like I'm looking at myself like mm-hmm, that with mm-hmm, that furrowed mm-hmm. brow going, dude. Did, did I watch eat? this <laughs> <laughs> whole what, movie? What is wrong with you? <laughs> it's all right.
1: <laughs> so – um. One of the things that uh, – like how do you as a storyteller say that you've gone too far? How much control is too much control? Yeah. Like I, I know people who have gone to the point where here's your pre-gen character mm-hmm. and there are some systems that do that. Sure. Where like I think the Firefly system when it first came out was here's all the pre-gen characters. You're on a ship together mm-hmm. and it's like pick your character and it's like – Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a little too tight.
0: Right. Like right. how
1: do you – I had
0: an idea. Enjoy
1: that. You like,
0: inspired I, me with this vast universe you created and now you're just handing me something that's
1: – Right. You know. I, I think like you can create some level of pregen but I think you still like – you need some creativity there. The players need some level of creativeness to be able to to tweak and adjust in my personal opinion. So um, – but that's just me.
0: Well, I mean, you've you've done that before, though. Yeah, hand as pre-gen characters and stuff like that. In fact, my 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 seven C character started out that way.
1: Yeah, I, I did the Children of Heroes was a limitation that I did where I literally said, uh, "You can you can pick any any of these." And actually, I think I gave it to be all random. Mm-hmm. So I I pre-generated uh, character classes or or uh, not character classes, but uh, um, almost like really, country origins, really
0: sold out templates. You know? Yeah, it was yeah.
1: a it was a country of origin, and it was uh, some skills, and then. Uh, There was no name, no mm-hmm. sex, no nothing else on it, and you only had – and I had spent only so many points of the you know, normal 100. I did 50 because you guys were kids. Mm-hmm. And I said, OK, you can put in this many additional points and let you guys run with it.
0: <laughs> I think I got Madeline because I was the last one to the game. Um. No, you guys—you no. guys have been playing for a little bit, and I remember I walked I in. You're like, I you—you you had handed me like two different character sheets or three, maybe.
1: Yeah, I think there were two or three left because Chris was the last one to pick in the main group, mm-hmm. and he, of course, draw, draws what he always draws. Batman. Yeah, he always draws Batman.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can be anything you want but. in this game. As long as it's Batman. Batman, yeah, yeah, he always does that, I, and I don't try for it; it just happens. So, um, I, yeah. I think to answer to to answer the question though, how much how much control is too much control? It's it's when people stop having fun. Yeah, when they're when
1: they can't let creativity move them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so how, so, how do we do that?
0: How do you how do you solve that? Communication. Do we ever talk about that? I think we might have mentioned it in one show. Offhandedly, that good communication is the key to keeping a I good probably gaming was like group. Twenty going episode 22, 21, something, something that. like that. It might have okay. been twenty one times. Yeah, in yeah. all of our <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. Look seriously, Just good talk. communication. Like, um, get that
1: scope out there early. Talk about yeah. it. Have it before your session zero. So that they know what limitations you're setting up. Yeah, when
0: before your sessions are, when you're even floating the idea to your friends, yeah. like, "Hey guys, I'm thinking about running a D and D game where we're all bards or something, yeah. you know, or
1: whatever. I want you all to be dwarves. Yeah, you know, and see how much they like it. Like, because if that group is like, "Eh, that's yeah, like really I'm not really dwarves. interested," but if they're all like, "Yeah, that sounds pretty badass," mm-hmm. now you now you have a leg in. Yeah, now you have you, you've started your
0: limit scope and you can start moving from there. Um. Uh, now – and again, you know, worth worth mentioning, make sure that those books, if you are going to limit scope, like right from this point mm-hmm. are available to people.
1: Yeah. You know? Like I would say in reverse. I would say these are the books you're allowed to use and slowly dole out the resources. Mm-hmm. And then for those people who are like, hey, I want to use this obscure thing over here or did you hear about this obscure thing over there? Now you can make decisions on whether or not that's within your scope of decision deciding. Yeah. So
0: yeah. – uh,
1: but yeah, I agree I agree and then if you're doing geographic limitations, make sure that that comes out either right at the beginning of the session zero mm-hmm. or just prior to it so they have
0: a little bit of time and for God's sake leave blank space oh God and this is something I do not do nearly enough i was I was mentioning this the other night too yeah um i we I, I can't stress enough. And this is this is me talking to myself cuz mm-hmm. damn once one of these days I'll take my own advice. Yep. Leave blank spots on the map because your players will fill it in with such great stuff. Yep. They'll fill in dramatic stuff, they'll fill in entertaining stuff. Mm-hmm. I keep coming back to the surly girl scout. <laughs> the surly girl scout inn. Um I, I, I jotted down in my notes there was like two or three major you know inns that they could sleep in in this mm-hmm. in this major city in my in my, my game. And uh, they they decided like nope. We're going to the bad part of town. And I was like, oh, OK. And they're like, and we're going to the Surly Girl Scout Inn. Yep. And for like a split second, I said, there's no Surly Girl Scout Inn. That's dumb. Stop that. It's not in my notes. Therefore, it doesn't exist. Let yeah. me dictate the world to you. And then the little voice in the back of my head said, you know what, Sarah? They're already into it. Roll with it. And let them have not? some damn fun. Why I mean, the hell right? not. What What does it matter if the Surly Girl Scout Inn exists? Yeah. And so I was like, OK. You guys want the crappiest inn you've ever stayed in? I will give you the, the crappiest, crappiest inn. inn you have ever stayed
1: in. It was and it was
0: beautiful. And it was beautiful. It was, you guys was, had a great time we with did. it.
1: We did. And at the same time, um, it changed your mind and gave you a creative lead on the difference. It yeah. allowed you to create this beautiful dichotomy of scene uh-huh. for us waking up. Where your nobleman was staying. Yeah, versus us.
0: Versus you guys. Yeah, and how
1: quickly we <laughs> changed location. Uh-huh. Um, but I think that's a that's something you can easily do. Where if you're gonna set a small scope, like you're gonna say, "Hey, this is all gonna happen in this region," and in fact, we're gonna be starting in this town. Now, here at session zero, let's start naming places. Mm-hmm. So, what's this? And you let people go around and like, Chris, what's this building here? Uh, you know, Erica name you know who you know what's the name of the of the uh the uh harbormaster mm-hmm. you know cuz you know him you know uh, your background you were talking about like that you maybe for this one character which you haven't even decided on what's the name of the uh of the the bard who works at this inn
0: yep. you know who rob, who entertains here rob this is this tavern has something interesting hanging over its mantle of the fireplace yeah what is it Bugbear butt. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's a giant
1: bugbear butt. Why is it there? Because that was the only part he could get. Because the fire had consumed the rest of it. <laughs> but he killed it, and therefore it's up there. Yeah. Because guess where the fireball went? Right here. Yeah. And now there's a whole story that you didn't have to come up with. And again, your the players are invested because they came up with that's them, right. You know, and that kind of stuff can totally change the energy of a level of a of a zero session
0: into an active group storytelling moment. You know, and you and you get the chance to do these things when you limit the scope geographically. You mm-hmm. know, and this is kind of bringing me back around to the D, the Deep Space Nine example. Yeah. is you know we knew who the tailor. On that shop – on the thing was. Yeah. The 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 proverbial innkeeper, you know, yeah. Quarks. Yeah. Uh, you know, we knew him. We knew his brother. We knew his family drama. Like yeah. when do you ever get to know the the, the in you know, the, the, the bar keeps family drama in any other, you know – Yeah. In any other show. Why? Yep. Because they're all busy gallivanting around with external stimuli. But you've right. got – if you take the time to sit still and develop your current location, you're going to find all sorts of stories between the floorboards. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yes, yes. It is a legendary bugbear butt and, and probably will now come up in multiple episodes since I've done that. Anywho, um, so yeah, let them fill it in. And then as far as player requests go, and I think this is the hardest part as a storyteller, it is – a hard no is painful, but it does create scope creep. Yep. So if you are going to stick because maybe you're a new storyteller mm-hmm. and you, you haven't it, – maybe it's a new system. Like fifth edition is kind of new to me. So I set a hard limit when I was working on my campaign of what I was going to be willing to let people transfer from fourth to fifth with. And I said, you've got to stay within these parameters for me. Third. What was third to fifth? Wow, how about that? Yeah. Um we skipped a this whole is, edition. This is what you've got to stay within parameters to remake your characters mm-hmm. so that I could just have that limitation and not worry about looking in other books. Now, I used other guides for myself because I can do that as the storyteller. You know, to be able to help me, like I went to other resources to get monsters and things to make it work. Sure, but again, my players, I knew their framing, I knew what I could, what they could do, and what I could do.
0: Right, right. You didn't want to have a as a new fifth edition storyteller. Yeah. you didn't want to sit down and have one of those instances where you're like, okay, well, haha, I know exactly what the party's capable of, so right. I'm going to throw this monster at them, and then they're like, oh, well, I just use this ability. Yeah,
1: and you're what, like, what, what do you mean you
0: have that? What do you mean you can do that? Exactly. Where is that in? You know, wizards can't do that. Oh yeah, well, you know, I'm playing this sub variant, so Yeah. It's just a so class ability for me. So I have for 40
1: cantrips. Yeah. You know, and I can basically cast them at will, you know, whenever I need to. Right. Right. You know? So, and then I think the other thing is that when a player, if you do know the system really well mm-hmm. and you're setting your limitations in other ways, You have the then the grace to be able to redirect or adjust or make some compromises Mm -hmm. depending on the system. You know, if you do have a vampire character who's like, I want to play a Lasombra, and you're like, "Mm, that really isn't in scope. Well, what do you want to do? Well, I want someone who is unknown, who is different. You know, whose powers may kind of fit these types of things. Like, well, you want to be different and unknown. Ever thought about a Ravenous? Right, because I think it would fit here. Mm-hmm. And you bring it in through that direction and now it's something you know you're back on your own turf of being able to work with them mm-hmm. and you can inspire yeah.
0: and bring out something new that maybe they never even thought about. Again, so it comes back to communication. Just yep. work with your players. Oftentimes you're going to be able to accommodate something in scope. Yep, exactly. You know? So, And and if, you're, if your scope is tight enough that it is limiting those characters mm-hmm. to the point where you can't come to a compromise, you might have tightened the reins too much.
1: You know about that rains thing, I'm gonna need you to get way off my back about that, like all the way off my back. Wow, about let that. me get off that thing then all right then. all right, so then, as a player, how do you handle that
0: uh well, um you know first thing, work with your storyteller and just mm-hmm. try to be understanding of of why this certain scopes are set sometimes right, you set them gotcha. for. Out of character reasons, sometimes the storyteller, you know, like well like you said, right. sometimes you're you're like you're new to 5th edition. Yeah. You don't want any surprises coming out that aren't really like player's handbook sort of stuff. Right, right. So as you learn, you might broaden that scope, but for right now, keep it simple. I think okay. that's a great way of going. But it might just be that you've got an idea You've got a you've got a, a a plan for where your story is going to go, how it's going to develop, or you know certain things, certain challenges you're going to set out that are going to be important to people who fit into that scope. You know, like you mentioned, a group of dwarves. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, sure. If you've set your scope to a group of dwarves, it's it might just be important that you're all dwarves because the plot is going to be a dwarven plot, right? And if I allow you to play an elf, your very first thing out of your mouth might be. Why do I even care?
1: Exactly. This is a
0: dwarf problem, right? You know
1: that doesn't make any sense.
0: So, as as a player, just try to be understanding when your storyteller sits down and says, you know, this is the scope. It has to be either this geographic location, or you must pick one of these races, Mm -hmm. or we're only using these books. Yeah, and I think that also then
1: goes into the player side of like, okay, if all those things are true, that makes it very hard for me. if I had like, oh, my next fifth edition character, this is what I wanted to play. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the character type. I had these ideas, and I was going to go this way because, like, I really wanted to play a gnome who was super lucky and basically was just a like a, a bumbling like uh, you know character who you know the forget, you know the forgetful professor who just kind of stumbles through life, mm-hmm. you know, but somehow miraculously makes it through the whole thing. I can't really do that as a dwarf because they don't have all those class mods. I think at that point you need to say like if you're literally clueless on your character, maybe ask for ideas. Yeah. Spitball. Like don't just come into session zero with one idea that is completely outside of the realm of possibility.
0: And then when you can't have it, you're upset and yeah. don't want to play now. Like literally just take a step. There's Back. infinite possibility here. Maybe dig into it just a little. Yeah. So and I know. think
1: I think just because you can't play a rule – based character that fits that. It doesn't mean you can't – you can't play the psychology or the demeanor, some hubris or flaws. You know, role play the character however you choose. Mm -hmm. You
0: know, just do it a different direction within the game. yep absolutely. So. Um, Now, the other thing too is – and we talked a little bit about scope creep and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Don't ask for scope changes just because of your single good idea, okay Now, we were talking about that whole, you know, walking in with one idea thing and, you know, trying to find ways to fit it within the scope. The other end of that is walking into that conversation and saying, well, I want you to make a special exception for me. And there's a, there, there's several problems with that. Um, I mean, The first thing – first off, it may be time to branch out like we were talking. You know, just play something else. You know, if it doesn't fit into the scope that the storytellers laid out, don't make them change their scope to be able to fit your character concept, just try to find something within the character concept, you know, or or play something different. Um, but also, you start in with a sort of um, if you say yes to one person, you have to say yes to other people, and then having a scope is meaningless because if the very first thing you're going to do during session zero, during character creation, is break your scope, right? Why are you even bothering?
1: Exactly. You know. I mean if you're – and I'm not saying you're not compromising, but I'm saying if you're fracturing that far, you're going to feel like you're
0: going to have to fracture more. Right, right. So I mean – Take take no as as a player take no for an answer. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Everyone's yeah. going to have fun. Yeah, I guarantee
1: it. Yeah. And 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 again, back to what we were saying before. As a storyteller, allow for those vacancies mm-hmm. so that your players can have that. Yeah, have that availability to say, hey, I want to be able to add into the story these pieces so that I feel like I'm part of it. Sure,
0: I Absolutely. think that's a great
1: win. <laughs> All right, we actually get time for questions. We do. We have good time for questions. Oh my goodness! And there are some questions in here that were for today. I think that worked really, really well. Um, but one of the ones that I uh, that I want to hit because we were just talking about scope creep um, was actually from my wife, um, and that was how do you prevent scope creep when players make unexpected turns? Okay, I I think that's a good one. So let's I'm going to throw one at you. You're going to love it. I'm let's say uh, you say yes to a mage being added into your vampire game. Okay, you know it didn't. He, they they say they're gonna be part of the town. There's no problem with that. They're they're fitting in as far as everyone else. In fact, they're they you know they kind of have a sire who might be, you know, okay with vampires and shit like that. And then suddenly
0: they open a portal to Ireland. Uh do not do not like. Do not like. That's scope creep right there. That's extremely scope creep right there. Um Yeah. So I mean, first off, you yes and it. I would agree Um, because you really don't. I mean, I'm still as much as we we just talked about telling telling players no. Mm -hmm. I'm still very against in the course of gameplay telling people, well, no, you can't do that. Like, if our city is set, if if our our game is set in Chicago, Mm -hmm. you know, and just Chicago, right? Like, that doesn't make it impossible to open a portal to Ireland. Yeah, it just means that I haven't written anything for it. Right. So. You roll with it at the time, mm-hmm. and then you have a conversation with that character afterwards. Of like, where are we going with this? Yeah, and I, I, I and I'm would, not, and I'm not asking to to say like you can't do it. Like I'm not interrogating you. Don't get me wrong. Right. I want to be able to follow this group anywhere they want to go. But a, I want to make sure that it's not just you who wants to skip out to Ireland. Right. Because if you do, we'll make you a new character, and your character will now be an NPC who lives in Ireland. Mm-hmm. We'll still have ties to the group. Sure. The story is not there. The story is in Chicago, so you can go if you want, but boom, you lose your character, make a new one. Yeah, my for me, I would
1: say you're talking about a session end there. Yeah, you know, if everybody decides they're going to walk through and go to Ireland, maybe they leave the scene to go to Ireland. Mm-hmm. Like they're in the middle of something, some crap's going down. They're Like let's get the heck out of here, and they just they're in Ireland now. Mm-hmm. You're like and session. And you're like okay, well, what happens in Ireland? Too, You'll find out two hours out next early.
0: Week. Great, let's go to the bar. You know, you know? and my
1: <laughs> thought is this is like okay, the next session. It's been two months mm-hmm. or you, know, you reopen the portal back home. Well, what happened in Ireland? I don't know what happened in Ireland. You tell me.
0: We'll go around the table. Yep. What we'll name one thing that happened in Ireland and then you and then yep. you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And actually, this is the way we're going to do it. You tell me what happened to her in Ireland. Oh. And she tells what he happened in Ireland and then you tell him what happened in Ireland and then you tell me why he opened the portal to go back home. Yeah. You know, and that's it. You know, nothing's game changing. Everybody's affecting – the other players, and you move right back into plot. And sure, some time has changed. Things have changed in the cityscape. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever was going on at that time is now gone. You know, maybe they come back to a bunch of, you know, barricades up and like two cops – sitting in a car stunned because suddenly there's a portal opening where there was one two weeks ago mm-hmm. and like the CDC put up barricades because they thought some crazy event had occurred there yeah you know and boom now they're back
0: now okay uh there's there's actually a <laughs> great no there's a great comment in the in the live chat right now from okay. my one and truly uh heatsink uh, it's my boyfriend Sean says uh player advancement can change slash break scope. It, oh, it totally can. And I think that's – I think it's a great comment actually. Yeah. Um, you're absolutely right. I mean you, scope is not something I think that's necessarily hard set. You know, no. I mean, e- even Deep Space Nine, which I touted as this pinnacle of of reduced scope, still had episodes where they got in the Defiant and they just went to the Alpha Quadrant and fought the you know fought, fought the, something the the mm, the, the had Dominion a on war yeah yeah on on uh, in their own you know foreign uh, uh, planets and stuff like that. They still had globe trotting adventures yeah, and there were still reasons for that and stuff. Right, like right, that. right. Nothing's nothing is saying that if your if your if your campaign evolves. Yeah. If characters grow out of the scope, yeah. that your scope might not change or the campaign's view of scope may change.
1: Yeah. For instance, now you're – like for instance, one of the characters has a background like in the case of 7th C, that has them going to find something because they want to get in with the secret society. Mm-hmm. The Explorers Guild, which is not really a secret. And they're like, OK, well, we need you to go on this adventure. And they're like, OK. And so they all – they get a boat and they go. Yeah. So now they're on the sea. Mm-hmm. But again, scope is limited. You're still keeping it to just that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even even in my own game, mm-hmm. um, you know, you guys just found a dragon priest and a dragon.
1: Yeah, that I know. you
0: did not know were there nope. and were in Cyrodiil of all places, which are not really known for the dragon priests God, nor no. their dragons. Um, so there's some questions to be asked there. But Indeed. we've got a Nord in the group mm-hmm. who is very hot about the lore behind those dragons that. and dragon priests. So I mean, if if next game he opened it up by going, I want to go to Skyrim now. Yeah, and I want to fight these people because there's got to be more. You know, let us know in the live chat. Uh, dude are you are you still hearing us, uh, or did we just drop out? Because we we might have a minor technical issue. Still showing recording, but my whole
1: computer froze. Yeah, we heard it. So, in any case, in any case, um, you know, so
0: yeah, your your scopes can change. Absolutely,
1: I totally agree. If, if and if your scope does change and it's something that shifts and you move on, just take a breath, move in that direction, and do a yes and. But again, if you need to keep in scope, keep communicating with your people about that and do
0: it directionally if you can. Uh no, okay. We're we're good. Uh live chat is telling us that we're uh we we went out for a second but we're back. All right. So, so let's hit
1: another right. question up then.
0: All right. Uh so, let's see here. Samantha. I was like I was like answering questions from her cuz she's uh, she's a uh, a new storyteller, so I like uh like seeing what insights she adds here. Okay. Um where can you go to find a group to play with? Oh lord! Uh, inspired by Seven C because I want to play, but I don't know how to find a group. This could be a Skype in sort of group. Um, you can always do that kind of a thing. Sure. Um,
1: you had some really good resources. I want to say in one of our earliest episodes where we kind of went over remote gaming and and uh searching for our for people.
0: Yeah. Um, like so, I I know that uh. Uh, there's there's some online gaming communities um like Roll20. I know mm-hmm. I know specifically one. That I'm, was su- the one was I'm sure of, yeah. there are more but I yeah. I don't know them off the top of my head. Yep. Um but uh Roll20 has like literally you create kind of a kind of a a Profile? forum post oh, I suppose yeah. for your game. Yeah yeah. Um, and you can actually put the call out for like looking for four players mm-hmm. and even give qualifications to those, set whatever times you're going to be playing and whatnot mm-hmm. so that players can make their own informed decisions on whether or not they'll be able to even participate in your game. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, you all kind of meet online. There's, uh, some, uh, voice and I believe video option as well if that's your thing. Um, and then, of course, the storyteller has full control over things like mapping tools and dice rollers and even uh, character sheets and stuff like that that's all built in. Mm-hmm. So you can run your your entire game online with people you've never met before. I've played yeah. in them. Um, I would say they're definitely not as good as face-to-face. But, hey, you know, any port in a storm, you know? Yeah, and and I think like think,
1: things like uh, Reddit is another uh, totally valid option. I think there's a lot of people who – Go ahead and jump on that and we'll either post or reply to people Mm -hmm. as they find uh, posts that have people asking for
0: things. I think that's not a bad way to go. Overwatch is posting in the live chat. Um, Reddit.com slash R slash LFG stands for looking for group. Yep, and that's pretty much it. But there's also
1: like D&D – there's specific D&D Reddit uh, threads. There's 7C ones. Mm -hmm. So you can definitely find uh, a bunch of different –
0: Direct threads through Reddit, yep. which will get you to what you're looking for. Uh, the the other place that I would that I would suggest is um, going to your uh, FLGS, your friendly local game store. And uh, a lot of times uh, they they may be hosting, uh, especially if they have like dedicated game uh, game spaces, mm-hmm. uh, like I you know R.A.W. near us does. Um, and there's a couple other game stores uh, in the in the in the area too that have kind of like back rooms for like playing Magic the Gathering, D and D, whatever you want to bring there. Um, and, uh, you may be able to find either an Adventurer's League game of D&D going on there or even just like-minded individuals who also want to play D&D that you may be able to meet, get to know, and possibly find someone who's, you know, wanting to get in the game. Uh, and of course the last and probably best place is bug your friends. Bug them mercilessly. Yeah. You'd be amazed
1: how many people will play a game if you talk about it enough and you're excited about it. Yeah. And if they don't want to play, then they're clearly not your friends. You should probably dump them all.
0: Exactly. They can dance if you want to. That's right. So.
1: <laughs> all right. Let's hit another one. Um, What's – an? I thought I saw another one in here that – oh, uh, Matt Elf had asked, what systems in your experience are most supportive for controlling the scope of the game? There are some that just straight up have scope design right into them. Urban Shadows is a good example of that. Um, I think Mouse Guard is a good scope designed game um, because again, it's more about the role playing and and world building as a group. Um, But I think pretty much any of the games that tend to have um, a straight up uh, world
0: setting yeah. where there's
1: a basic world and then you can add supplements to it.
0: I, I know um uh Shadowrun's probably grown a lot since the last time I played it, uh but like it was always set in Seattle. Yeah, you know. Just yeah, though, period. Yeah. Shadowrun takes place in Seattle. Oh, I mean, you here's your here's your Chicago book.
1: Yeah, here's your Bug City, here's yeah. your you know, you Here's all the other ones, but I, I think any of those you can you can fit that direction. Mm-hmm. Um I think some of the larger games like Gurps where it's just a system, you don't really have a world to set to. I think can make it a little bit more challenging.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's probably it. I, I think it's it's it really comes kind of comes down to the world books. Yeah, you know the the the, the better world books, I think the better your scope geographically is going to be. Yeah. Um, GURPS, I think is a phenomenal mm-hmm. example of of a, of a of a game that's just whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I hope that kind of
0: helps a little bit. But I I don't I don't know that there's a game that's best for limiting scope just simply because all you all any game you can limit the scope to if you just say only this or only that okay period
1: okay who do you want to hit next
0: uh let's grab draven okay i don't hear from him terribly often no um i think my question would just be how do you keep encounters interesting in a system where i think most enemies are other humans Coming from a fantasy background, I'm always hesitant to use the same enemy type multiple times. Um, in my personal
1: opinion, I don't think you people even really notice enemies so much as they notice the interaction. Yeah, Like you could be fighting goblins and unless you're doing a lot of goblin sounds and a lot of goblin things, they're just fighting something. Mm-hmm. Like – and I think in systems like 7C specifically where you're basically fighting brutes all the time they are a kind of mindless mob. Yeah. Um and it's more about how you decorate the scene, whether they are sailors, whether they are, you know, uh, guards, whether they are, you know, um, you know, the king's personal guard, whether they are mercenaries. Those are all different types of thugs. Really the system just helps you iron out the 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 simplicity of what they are. Um but whether or not you're you're fighting a specific monster or a different monster, I think comes down to why. Mm-hmm. That's really what makes it interesting. Yeah, you, I mean, a Day Z kind of game where you're basically just fighting you know undead again and again and again and again is boring. But if that's the if that's the flavor of the story, and that's not actually what the story is, the meat and potatoes, of the story is about how you're surviving. Then yeah, it's it's just background. Yeah, I mean, Seven C story is not about the brutes, and and combat situations related to the brutes. Nor is it about all of the nameless people at the party. It's about the villain. Mm-hmm. It's about finishing things. It's about. Completing the story and, and, or f- discovering the mystery, that's the real point to get to the end of the story.
0: Yeah, and and like even in more like a, a Dungeons and Dragons sort of sense, mm-hmm. I mean most of my enemies are humans right now too because right. you guys are fighting organized bandits. And uh, I, I think the the compelling thing about the story is not that you're fighting bandits but why you're fighting. When you're fighting, what interesting things those bandits have organized around? Yeah, I mean, I've got several different gangs, Mm -hmm. and each gang kind of has its own thing. Yeah, you know, so you've got some variety there because humans humans are varied. (gasps) Humans have variety. Yeah, you exploit that. Yeah, I mean, they, they can think around things. Human doesn't just mean guy with sword. Right, Human can mean a lot of things like, you know, wet works, black ops, tactical ranger squad, hiding, uh, you know, ambushing you on a bridge. Likewise, it could be tired guard seven, you know,
1: 72 hours into his shift, you know, who just wants to go home but is on high alert and is sipping on a cup of coffee at his guard post. Mm-hmm. Like – that that's a
0: thing. Infinite variety. That's right. So that's right. Yeah, just just think about the motivations and make the situations interesting. So
1: let's squeeze another one in here.
0: Yeah, let's go back to the Mad Elf because he asked a bajillion questions. Kind of did. I, what's I man? We don't hear from him for like a while. He's super quiet,
1: and then he lays it out and like then just kitchen like tile. four
0: questions all at once. Yeah. All right. So, uh, what's your favorite module slash pre made dungeon and why? Hmm. You know, I gotta be honest. I don't know a lot of um. A lot of experience with with like pre-made modules and dungeons and stuff like that. I played a
1: lot when I was younger and early D and D. I remember I don't remember all the names of them because I just played them. Like the the storyteller never told us where we were. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you are now entering the tomb of horrors. Like it was never part of it. But I remember even just talking with uh, Overwatch over the years about someone's like, Oh yeah, I did play that one. I mean I never finished it, but mm-hmm. I I remember those things about it. Um I think as a storyteller, I personally love uh, Robotech's Ghost Ship.
0: Oh, yeah. I remember you telling me about yeah. this. You were like so – you ran this as a one-shot yeah, I ran for, it as for, a for one friends, shot. didn't you? Yeah, and it's 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 really simple. I mean yeah. it's,
1: it's basically a derelict ship, Zentradi ship that's just floating in an asteroid belt that was discovered. Mm-hmm. And you ships, are, check mi- it out, ships and... are mysteriously – have been mysteriously losing uh, you know radar signature around them. Uh, now that a second group has gone missing, they want to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So they send out a, a force to go check it out and – Hijinks ensue. and ensue and it did. Yep. And um, there are so many ways you can play that and there's so many ways it can end and it's just – and you you can learn things about a future story mm-hmm. that can be put into it. So there's a it's, – it's just a neat little module with some very basic parameters that if you discover these things, great. If you don't, great. It's a mission start to finish. Go yeah. find out what's going on and then once you discover a certain thing that's going on, they ask you to – Assist, and then once you go beyond that layer, you get to do something else. So it, it's a progressive mission. If sure, you will. sure. So
0: yeah, it sounds great. Yeah,
1: it's it is fun, and just like any other good uh, module, it layers upon itself its own story, but leaves you a lot of options to change things and adjust as the story goes on.
0: Uh, so I'm I'm gonna real quick address something that just came up in the live chat. Uh, Knox says something something make Batman, but blah blah blah, and I haven't even read the rest of it. Look, Overwatch is in the live chat with you right now. Never start a sentence with make Batman because he takes that as a dare.
1: Yeah, it's going to (laughs) happen. (laughs) <laughs> i'm sure
0: he's working on it right now and we just can't see it he so. absolutely is he's got seven different versions of them um yeah. but okay so I, I i remember what my favorite module is oh okay all right and believe it or not it's also a palladium module oh how funny that Yeah. and now i know you all were trying to be clever with your question there mad elf trying to slip another turtle reference mm-hmm. into the into the thing but i'm gonna head you off at the pass because this one comes out of the Teenage Mutant ninja turtles and other strangenesses book hey it is one of the uh the little modules is just in the back of the book just in a little adventure you can run called terror on rural route oh 5. my god i remember that yes that was fantastic terror on rural route 5 and, and i want to say what the reason this has a special place in my heart is because it was the first game i ever de- i ever story told really i think i was like 12 or 13 oh that's adorable i got a couple of my friends together and like palladium was the only thing we had because that's a, that was my first gaming system it's what it i was knew. huge it was huge especially around here and so uh yeah, I got a couple of my friends into it and we uh, we played that and I ran terror on Rural Route 5 for them. That's awesome. I probably did a horrible job of it, but Whatever. It's man, fond memories. Yeah. Fond I mean,
1: memories. I, I can remember a number of games that I ran horribly. Yeah. But
0: I still run games horribly, just not as horribly. It was <laughs> uh it was just about this little group of mutants, um uh mutant farm animals. Oh. Um and uh one like furred. Uh, and uh, there was a couple like mutant pig and mutant bull, and mm-hmm. I think a couple mutant sheep or something like sure. that. And they had like weapons, and they took some school kids, uh, <laughs> uh, hostage because they were I don't know ticked off by something. I don't even remember now. Sure, but yeah, and your your job was to resolve the situation somehow, somehow. Okay. So we had some uh some some fun times with that. So good times, good times. And yes, cheer, cheers resound in the live chat. Yeah, uh, yeah we happened. absolutely have time for one more. Uh, you want right. to grab TechnoWitch? I mean it's a big question but I think we
1: can squeeze it in for the sure. last few minutes. Um, what are some tips on dealing with the emotional baggage that comes with ending a campaign?
0: Oh. You know, that's, a, you, that's something you think about every uh, all that often is the emotional baggage that comes – like since there's some separation, you know, like you've got to have some closure there. Yeah. I've thought about it quite
1: a few times. All right. Well, what would you come to? Nothing good. Like players love their – no. nobody likes closing things up. <clears throat> Pardon me. But like it's even worse when you're coming to the end of a campaign and as a storyteller, you want to move on to something else. Like whether it's another system, whether mm-hmm. it's another story. Trying to figure out how to close something is a daunting task. Oh, it writing is. Writing the end of a novel, writing the end of the book, feeling like there's an end to something. Seventh C kind of gives you the ability to do the – the wrap up scenes
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, which is always that this isn't the end, this is the beginning of another story for somebody else. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um and I've been able to do those kinds of things on occasion. Sure. Um but it is hard. It is it is hard as a storyteller to say goodbye to certain aspects of things. Yeah. Um and I think as a player it's exceptionally hard to put a character down because you never forget them. They are never really gone. I mean, they are living in Valhalla, you yeah, know, yeah. drinking, you know, with all the other characters you have. You know, there's a there's a great Sony commercial that has these. Uh, I think it's World War II guys walking into a bar, and they come up and they uh-huh. put their guns down next to like spears and axes and laser swords because it says no weapons allowed. And then yep. they walk in, and it's a bar full of characters. Oh jeez, and they're all talking about someone. … who helped them through a tough situation. Oh. Uh, and then the Then it shows the picture on the wall and it's just a face shot of a kid and it's to Michael. Yeah. And they all cho- toast to Michael. That's how I think of characters from RPGs … Yeah. … that we run at our tables sitting around in some
0: distant pub talking about their stories. Yeah. Just as much as we talk about them. So. uh, Let's see here. I, I would say probably my biggest thing is just give closure … Yeah. Um, I mean, if you are going to end a campaign, whether you end it story wise or whether you need to, uh, just wrap it up for whatever reason, you know, prior to the story actually coming to an end. Um, I would say, you know, have a, have a breakdown session with your characters or with your players and just let them know, like, okay, let's, let's figure out how this thing rolled out and kind of have a, you know, an end credits. Yeah. What, what happened to who bit characters and stuff of that. This person lived happily ever after this guy person got what they were coming, you know, what was coming to them, things of that sounds good just just give them closure so next week we're going to talk about scale macro
1: and micro and mass combat ship to ship sage all that kind of stuff yeah you ever
0: ever wanted to fight a kaiju we're going to talk about it
1: (laughs) (laughs) you can find us on twitter at st underscore conclave on instagram st underscore conclave our discord link is in our twitter every week in our description there and you can join us uh, on discord and talk with us there I want to
0: give a big shout out to all of our Patreon members who support the show week after week, month after month, especially Knox in the Box. And Sam, we love you. Thank you so much for your contributions and helping us do what we do. Um, our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find him on uh, Com, And our outro music, which you're hearing now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. Uh, you can find her on freemusicarchive.org and also soundcloud.com slash midair machine. We record at Podcast
1: Detroit. You can find them at podcastdetroit.com, on Twitter at detroit. Our lovely engineer is Caitlin, and we appreciate all that she does for us every single episode. But we mostly like to invite – we'd like to thank our families, both Sarah and Sean. Uh, Vicky and, and Sean. Vicky. Vicky, for me, God, I'm just (laughs) stumbling tonight. We're all over the place, and our friends who make our games wonderful and give us these wonderful times to talk about things, and so many more topics, and you, our listeners. We love you. Thank you. Good night. Good night.